Welcome to what I suspect is episode 35 of Radio Free Demos, an Ixudraconis fan podcast, broadcasting from ASAF Hall at Lake Voltaire on Demos. This is part two of our Valentine's Day special, in which the author of Ixudraconis, Pierce Fraser, favors us with an interview about various semi-quasi-not-safe-for-work and adult and maturishly themed topics. So, while the hosts have kind of agreed that this isn't really mature enough to warrant an adult content label, it still may not be appropriate if you have children in the area or to play at 60 decibels at the workplace. Anyway, on with the show. So, a slightly less silly, more serious question. Given there are a lot of diversity in Vector Society, you've got massive bears, micros, tars, and laterals, to what degree is medical intervention kind of synth wombs, surgery, just totally mandatory for vector birth? Um, yeah, so there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of that kind of takes place now that gets glossed over too. Uh, you look into to things about human birth. Maybe maybe I'm jaded or uh, uh, a little tweaked on this issue because my own my daughter's birth. She came out three months early and would be long dead, but not for the uh, uh, intervention of technology, hmm. uh, as would my wife through organ failure. Um, yeah, this is a very complicated birth, right? Would have killed two people. Um, but the numbers that I was getting from nursing staff in the hospital for this same kind of thing happening, uh, preeclampsia and help syndrome and, and things like that are, are startling. You're talking a very large number of people that would not survive birthing without modern tech there holding their hands. Hmm. Um, so in this other society where the bodies are even more different, um, natural unaided birth is likely not a, a thing that takes place almost ever. And it's a heavily serviced society, too. And people are used to going to their right. local X, Y, or Z. Everything. Yeah, so the, the, the concept that you can kind of just go off and do this on your own in the woods, not not something that I think would really happen very often. Maybe if you had zero other choice, but rarely do you have zero other choice. Progenitus will help you with that sort of thing in most cases, even if it puts you into debt. But I mean, I'm sure it occurs because everything can. You're talking several planets worth of population and billions of people. Everything happens at some point. But in, uh, in, in general, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And in, in general, all of the births probably have some degree of intervention just to make sure that they're working properly. Well, and kind of a spinoff of that in the sound and silence, we hear about the, the pale men and there's some very complicated engineered reproductive stuff mm. in their life cycle that's specifically there to obstacles and be difficult yeah but theirs is more like a key actually so they don't have a whole lot of the tech to assist their birth system and it, well, no. it works pretty well on the whole but they were hidden from part of it was the issue right. but it was an intentional construct and i've right. kind of been wondering if there's some aspects of vector like speciation that are actually triggered by big pharma or uh the medical industry um, nothing to the degree of like, you know, they release a pheromone in the air and everybody starts being able to be fertile again or something like that. But um, it, over the course of just genetic manipulation, people have tried. Pulse gets accused about it regularly. Um, that's written in, in Sound and Silence, how they are, they, they, they seem to be manipulating their stock to hmm. try to make a more robust vector um, in reality or not in reality, depending. Um, that could just be the result of their culture, wherein people are just trying to breed a more robust child. Uh, <laughs> So it, they so, may not. <laughs> sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a sinister person with a test tube. It could just be that, on the whole, that culture is committed to, to trying to make Spartans kind of thing. From a from a technological standpoint, the master's voice has has uh, aspects of control to it. But from a full on breeding standpoint, unless you're like a micro who is trying to, or like I think the the one that would be like the most most difficult would probably be something like a lateral who ends up with a tark child. Oh um, God, all the where limbs. You, you just, yeah, it's, you know, they're just not equipped for that degree of limb. Is anybody That's, equipped for a tar? <laughs> uh, well, they're supposed to be, because um, because they all came from the same stock, supposedly, and this is, this is you know, science pseudo-magic kind of thing going on, um, that you, you, you shouldn't be in lethal danger if you're a biped that has a tark kid, because the kid would just come out small. Um, they're, they're not going to outgrow the womb that they were made for sort of deal. Um, they'll, they'll grow when they get out. They will probably need assistance upon being born because they're going to be small and frail and not to the necessarily weight they should be for their body size. But it won't necessarily put the parent at immediate risk. 
But when you end up with weird configurations like the quadrupeds that are trying to give birth to things that have six limbs or wings or something like that, then you start, things get tangled, right? Mm -hmm. So those are things that require additional help. Alternatively, you can just as easily have like a full scale. I think this was Sam's character had a, a regular sized parent and then she was a micro and nobody knew she was pregnant. Right, because the, the 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 fetus comes out full grown at like an inch and a half, for the the tiny. Uh, she ended up with that like an eight inch tall character, a six or six or eight inch tall character. Nice. And the, the mother, yeah, there was it's basically the the birth felt like it might have been um, you know period cramping, hmm. uh, or something like that. Huh. That's that's kind of dark. <laughs> Well, there, I mean, there are, and there's how how dark you want to make it versus a comedic. I actually had an interesting. Um, this is this is where the you control the environment a little bit comes in. There's a there's a trap in the newly released D and D module, wherein if you fail this trap, you age ten years. But I'm run, running a testing party for HSD two right now that had recently played that that uh, module, and one of the characters was pregnant when they went through that trap. Ah, that's, uh, that's and failed the trap. Yeah, they 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 uh, they went through that trap and and suddenly aged ten years and obviously there there was a child in them as they went through the trap. Now that can go from from funny to immediately awful, depending on <laughs> on, uh, on how you want to roll it. And I think what happened is they decided that they didn't want to make it immediately awful, so they they rolled them for the chance to um to basically magic the baby out, and that something had somehow brought its intelligence up to the reasonable level of a ten year old as opposed to being this you know infantile brain and a 10 year old body that, uh. that viewed its world like there's all sorts of ways that could have gone horribly wrong they decided to not allow it to because it would have been put a damper on the evening right so <laughs> it's the same thing with the morphism and the birthing thing it can be horrifically complicated and frightening if you want it to make that that kind of darker part of the environment but i could just as easily hand wave it and say you know they make it work I just want to say, aren't we glad that we don't have Gary Gygax for a game master? <laughs> yes. Or do we? Well, on a life level, we might. But... <laughs> also thinking, almost totally off topic, but remember that remember that, that French cartoon about the uh, the African characters, the, the, the woman that gave birth to this amazingly precocious baby, so precocious, started talking to her while it was in her womb. She started having conversations with it. And she's kind of said at one point, well, if you're so together, why don't you just walk out? And he did. He's walked out this tiny little boy about yay tall. The, the whole series was about this like eight inch tall boy who's a brilliant person who can solve everything. At one point he has to deal with a hyena, which is the reason why we rented it. That's all. That's my whole point. What are we talking about again? <laughs> hyenas, apparently. Oh, hyenas. Right. And, and we're, we're talking about this. this <laughs> oh, poor Kerbo. We were talking about this, this earlier, the, the, the notion of like, you know, what, what kind of surgery you need for a birth and whether female hyenas might elect for cesarean sections to preserve their penises. So you don't have to, because since the penis is the birth canal, you know, you don't want to have that all ripped up by a baby if you have the option of just taking a C-section and still having a perfectly beautiful crocock, you know. <laughs> What are we talking about again? <laughs> so I started this question. There may, I think this is part of a conversation we were having while discussing all of these questions. Uh -huh. is that there might be like a substantial portion of vector society that is shaped by like the medical industry. So speciation uh -huh. controlling the percentages of X species, Y species, that sort of thing might be triggered at the medical level. And there's... Actually, some hints in Canada that might be the case, or at least they talk about that Marsco maybe is engineering the balance of the races in some way. Uh -huh. So that was really where I was kind of mentally going with this question. But the question of like genetic loads, morphism, birth is also kind of dark and compelling. Uh -huh. And I need to stop making fun of Ganymede because we'll lose our listeners from there. Yes. I do like how we got through the entire question without mentioning eggs. <laughs> I think we got through this entire episode without mentioning eggs. Well, we had. <laughs> I'll edit the eggs out in post. <laughs> Remember uh, the uh, the first episode of Mongrels where the the fox character is, is dating a chicken, and then she she reveals the fact that her uh, that her, her previous husband was a was a wife pecker, and how one day he ate her so badly that she mislaid. And I was like, oh, don't tell me anymore. It's like, and she says, it was like giving birth to an omelet. 
I'm going to be sick. Sorry. Uh, very tangentially related note. I don't know if I've gotten word back from the author artist on this one, but one of the Discord communities sent me a really beautiful and really not safe for work picture of a, a couple in HSD. And it was uh -huh. a, a male anthro fox and a female lateral hawk. And it was very surreal, so well done, slightly horrifying image, huh. which I will link to in the show notes. Okay. And maybe use a very cropped portion of. Sure. <laughs> so how fluid is the whole kind of world of gender? Are gender swapping body modifications fairly common? Is sex just one of a number of exciting options? Uh, yeah, the um, there's, there's talk about uh, jokes and stuff about the um, ability that some of the Pulse characters have for um, being able to spontaneously transform <laughs> using short-term drugs. I can't um, believe and, I've never thought of that. <laughs> uh, and that, that is among the, like, of, of the various things they can do, I, I certainly see that as being one that's possible. You know, they can <laughs> just kind of shoot you with a dart and you'll transform for a day into uh, a different gender or a different appearance or anything like that um, to go through. Uh, certainly the, the surgery and technology exists to, to permanently swap over if you want to or to create a new one. Um, what, what's that multi-form shape-shifting surgery again? Uh, well, I mean, you could just get the uh, the actual shape-shifting one multiple times. <laughs> uh, there's there's in the in the current document there's a um, a graceful transformation addition to the standard transformation surgery that allows you to transform certain aspects at will. That's actually what Nicopole has hmm. uh, in in the um, Sound and Silence book, which is a character you meet a few times who seems to fluctuate gender back and forth uh, at will. That oh. character is canonically kind of gender neutral. It just kind of becomes what he wants to be at any given point. Do we see that character in the um, the preamble to uh, Spyglass? Yeah, that's the same one. Oh, dang! Okay. And he's also um, he's also in, and I say he because the the character himself kind of goes off whatever he's called at any given point, and he's called a he in that story. Um, but the uh, he's also featured in the um, Shadow Presidents chapter. He's one of the ones for the IRPF. Well, that kind of leads into something I wanted to ask, which is that The Sound and Silence had a gay kiss in it. But now I, I kind of question that because you you might need to put a question mark or a star beside that, that orientation slash gender identifier there. Well, that, that question is entirely based on the observer. The character himself doesn't really lock to any one of them. So at the time that he kissed, he was male. So it was a gay kiss. <laughs> um, but, at the, you know, two minutes later, he's female. So it wouldn't be. And that's something that that character personally is is part of their identity is being not identified um so it, it comes down to the the people watching to kind of decide you know well I mean, they, they must be this one thing or the other that the character itself was born male but i think they had that 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 kind of transformation take place pretty early so they've been existing like that for quite a while and he uses it in a variety of ways like he uses it on a personal level but he also uses it as a way to sneak around and because he's kind of a tricky character huh interesting so just kind of drifts between gender for as a mm -hmm. lifestyle i mean you can you can do it through a character thing that particular character doesn't really stay to one for any particular length of time like it's like i'm not going to spend the uh, the next week as a female or the next week as a male or something like that it really is a moment-to-moment -moment basis hmm. um, which is why it was such an impressive surgery to the person who was with him at the time because it fluctuated so often it doesn't usually do that because um, most people are more locked to their thing so that that non-identified identity is sort of a, a transformation that has been allowed to happen through the sake of technology and, and just uh, evolving ideas of, of what you can and can't be. Are we going to get more about this individual in the fiction collection? Uh, it really depends on how big it gets. I mean, he's one of the, the shadow presidents, so he's, he's a fairly important character. Um, but like, I, I don't know that we're going to get directly in his story until there's several books, and that, that depends on how well they sell and things like that. You've fallen into spring of drowned vixen. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of that, too. So the the pulse bit at the beginning, this is touched on in um, the pulse chapter of Sound and Silence. Uh -huh. Occasionally, pulse shakes things up a bit by putting something in the water supply or leaking chemicals into an office building with, like, tacit, you live there already, so you have to deal with this crap approval from the populace. Mm -hmm. And they usually pay them back damages or whatever. And it's considered like a little vacation from yourself to be temporarily, 
given the macro perk or something like that or being suddenly a monster or something. Gaining the obscure genitalia trait. (laughs) That's just ducks. (laughs) We're back to ducks again. But that's kind of a an occasional like special episode thing that happens in pulse dominated towns once in a while. I mean, I have to say, I, I accept it without question that, of course, they'd have gender modifying surgery, but it gives, gives me a shot and an hour later. That's that's pretty amazing. I don't know what the timetable is going to be, but back when the chronology of the game began, we had the hemi vector process, which would transform people post birth into a vector like creature. Uh-huh. And that's presumably where an awful lot of humanity went over time. So they had the ability to rework people on a slow timetable. But this kind of rapid fire technology is sounds pretty alarming. But I remember the like the wear type shape shifting that they have where that guy's just bursting into a two page spread. Right. And all that. But that with ridiculous oversized secondary sexual characteristics. Yeah, that happened to Tank Girl once. I know. Comedy aside, I like the idea of a character whose gender is just almost an afterthought, just a slow, graceful thing they kind of drift through as a part of their life. That seems like a really neat story element and no real game effect there, so why not? In a certain sense, that that really speaks to a lot of the roots of sci-fi. Technology just frees you from the shackles of space, situation, culture, whatever, to be whoever and whatever you want. That, that's a pretty straightforward um, extrapolation of that. It just costs money. So you might just imagine these parents that say, no son or daughter of mine is going to be changing his or her gender every week. Retail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so were there any truth to the rumors that there were a few vector bioprobe hybrids last year after the TTI drunken Christmas party? Uh, there is a main character in the canon who is kind of along that line, but it's not something that's that's uh, terribly common. There will be some stuff moving forward in playable races once the monster books come out that are sort of along that way, but it's not necessarily the result of, of um, interbreeding so much as treatment. So it's kind of like the progression of the Hemi, uh, the old Hemi treatment that allowed you to transform an already existing person. Oh. There's a character who gets touched on in the next novel, assuming that goes forward the way that it's going, who has actually been around for a while just in my own stuff, but hasn't ever been featured in the books, uh, who was a researcher for TTI, who, uh, upon being repeatedly sent into Europa's ocean to, to kind of investigate, just felt themselves woefully inadequate for the whole process, so they voluntarily transformed their whole body to, to become something that could navigate down there better, essentially. So it wasn't a tweak. They just had a full body replacement into um, what is essentially a bioprobe form so that they could navigate down there better. Uh, And TTI took the opportunity to to play with the genes a little to try to create something new. So they ended up being a more unique bioprobe than they really volunteered to be. So there are there's some precedent to to having yourself transformed in a way um, that would make you kind of cross compatible like that. And bioprobe seems like it's more of a legal distinction than an actual class of organism, regardless. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's a fairly unique one. I and mean, when you get into the ships and stuff, the one that, that made that character unique is that she was infused with FOA DNA, which in order to make her more compatible with Europa, uh, so that she could actually get down amongst them without being attacked by them. And it worked and didn't work and a few <laughs> other things like that. But that that's the, the more distinct part when it's a TTI meddling situation is they have access to alien DNA, whereas other ones are just kind of making a unique body for you. So is it true that bioships make a, a, a low groan every time they dock? Is that really a sealant? I, there, there's a old saw. I don't know if it's an apocryphal statement or what of some Native American chief who when asked why he ride a horse? Why he rides a horse? Said something along the general lines of, "Have you ever tried to breed a car?" So when I went into this question originally, I I had in my head kind of bioprobe is like this sixty-nine lumpy rugose potato monster sort of thing because that's kind of how I originally encountered them in like the online test games and things like that. But a bioprobe can really be anything. It's just it's just a word for something that's a biological construct that is not a vector. Really, don't we all have a little bioprobe in our hearts? Sorry, go ahead. I don't know how, how I got there, yeah, but... I... <laughs> and when you start considering that they are basically real-life Pokemon, that, uh, well, we'll leave that one there.
Let's say NCC 1701, NCC 1701. <laughs> oh, we're not funny. <laughs> so we had a run of kind of related ideas and questions about genetics and inheritance, and they're not terribly funny or anything like that, but they are questions that we've been wondering about since like day one of playing this game. Do morphisms tend to run in families? Do they breed true? Uh, they can, and I don't really have numbers on things like that. Like how often it does, I, I think from a, from a purely kind of canonical standpoint, I don't think they run in them to the degree of being reliable, but I have found from a point of player fun that players want them to run in them to the degree of being reliable. It makes backstories work out well. Right. Yeah. So they, they, they kind of want to do that. So that's one that, that floats a little bit between that realm of, of canon and, and what you want to do with it. The, the tricky thing about them breeding to morphism is that then you end up with situations where people will be selectively breeding to try to keep certain traits or lose certain traits. Uh, and it also introduces the concept that they could have a long time ago tried to breed out certain morphisms. And that kind of runs into that same issue of why didn't they just remove it from the genes, gene pool to begin with, which they didn't do that because they were viable and you're damning a species to death. So from a, from, in order to make the kind of the history of the, the universe work well, it needs to be kind of a random process. But I would say that there's probably a greater chance of getting one down the line because I know there's a lot of people that want to have characters that were, you know, if they have a Targ character, maybe they came from Targ parents or it goes something like that. It's a fairly popular concept to do. So I'd say the chances are higher. It, it, would, it would make sense for a character background. So it's backstory true. Yeah. So on a kind of related note, um, Cloak in the uh, Discord community was suggesting a plot line or an idea where uh, maybe morphisms are more prevalent as you look forward or less prevalent, that they're uh, gradually increasing as the vector's genetic load changes over time. Kind of a neat idea uh, for a plot. Yeah, uh, I think it's a plot you can run if you want to. I don't. It's not something that I've written into anything or that I would expect to occur necessarily, but uh, you can you can create these little micro-societies that are trying to... Uh, to breed to, to certain aspects. I think the one that is most likely to kind of be easily mappable in that sense is actually microism. Um, makes a, a degree of, of sense that they would continue to make children of their own size because it was actually a hiccup in the code that made them just not grow. So maybe that continues. I, I think you'd probably have to commit to that as a personal canon. Because otherwise you, you open up a whole slew of other situations as to um, why this hasn't been done more often or whether or not there's huge, you know, discrepancies and that sort of thing. It seems like a good idea for like a campaign variable that the game mm -hmm. master might declare to make this particular version of the setting more compelling in some way. Not something that's, like you said, written up in canon in any, any way. So... If you can t trace your family back five generations and it's eagles, 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 is there any chance that you'll suddenly have to redo the nursery with a dog biscuit wallpaper design? I, I don't think it would probably go back that far. I, I, there, there's been mention in canon that, that I can hop a couple. Like if your grandfather was the dog uh, and you, you, can, you can bypass uh, and then you had the, the, the two birds mating and then it jumped a generation back to where the grandfather was. Um, it, it's actually mentioned, I think, somewhere in Core Extended that it can, you know, you, you can go all the way back there because um, the code's still in there. The code for everybody is in there. That's part of the hybridization thing. That's how you're able to, to, to actually produce a child of the other species to begin with because it's all locked in there somewhere. Hmm. Um, so you could even call it a morphism if you wanted to, wherein there was never somebody in your family that was another species, but you, you somehow produced one anyway. And they, they would actually, here's the thing about it, is like, would it then become a shotgun situation? Now, you, you, you could go down to the, the local hospital and actually have the kid tested, and they would test positive for both parents that were in there. And the, the actual Testing activator. positive for dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and, and then the activator would, is, a, is a separate thing for what the species becomes necessarily. So you, you could still prove that the parentage of the child, even if they were from a different species. Um, and they would probably still resemble both in, 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 you know, like eye configuration or, you know, brow height and stuff like that. You can see it both in the thing would just have a different species attached to it. We've always kind of assumed at our, at our table that if your father was like an antelope and your mother was um, some sort of bird that you 
regardless of what species you ended up being, you'd carry some antelope traits into your bird form or some... Yeah, well, so the behavior is probably going to be there because you learn it from the parents anyway. That from from a cultural standpoint, if your if your mom kind of just pecks at things because she's a bird and that's the way she behaves, you're likely to have some of those mannerisms because that's what you see growing up and everything else. Say say the mother has a lot of plumage, the and the the son is is a wolf or something. They might have a fluffier uh, chest just because that's the where the genetic marker for having more of X is could express. Where X is, yeah, the X is fur, or the X is uh, feathers, or anything like that. But the the child wouldn't have feathers unless something had gone weird. <laughs> so that that's that's hybridization popping in. If the hybrid comes out with feathers and fur, then there's actually a, a hiccup in the code there. But they might pick up like coloration or something like that. Yeah, the coloration would come over. Um, things like certain traits that the mother had particularly long legs. You know, you might end up with that too. Um, things like that that you would expect from any degree of, of childbearing situation. But if, if they're actually coming out with traits of the other species, it's an error. My taking this way too seriously is that if you've got the, the genes or the code for everyone in you, that means everyone has red fox in them that can that that that, that, that can't uh, the, the, okay thank you <laughs> i was afraid this is gonna be way too serious um everyone has arctic fox in them everyone has a black wolf everyone has this um simply having a parent or an ancestor who's a red fox can't make you more red because everyone carries the code for a red fox now unless they were an unusually red red fox in which case that might make your ermine pelt maybe a little bit redder but but you see what i'm saying oh i I absolutely do and it's which is it's confusing it's hard to wrap your one's head around no it's perfectly easy to i'm just ignoring it oh okay thanks i mean no i see the ideas that makes sense it's definitely one of those kind of you have to wave your hand definitely i'm taking this way too seriously that too okay okay got it or on a genetic level, the difference between a lateral lion and a, I don't know, a falcon angel is kind of like the difference between a blonde and a brunette. Well, I think that we, we were talking about how some some huge percentage, like well over 75% of the human genome is just junk. Uh-huh. So who knows what you could do if you optimize that for better storage capacity and added a few more backup chromosomes. Yeah, DRM. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> you have to protect that copyright somehow. Yeah. We had sort of kind of a gay kiss in one of the stories, and in Fang's Fury, they talk about uh, the sex industry and how I think laterals and tars have a special audience kind of built into them. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything in HSD? The in soul that's actually kind of taboo? Well, probably quite a few things, but I think that's more of a, a local culture deal than... than Because uh, the things that, that like America considers taboo are different from the things that Europe considers taboo or different from the things that you know many other countries consider taboo. There's a few parallels, but not, not universal by a great many of them. Yeah, I guess what's taboo on Europa would not apply anywhere at all. <laughs> right. And there's, there's, I mean, uh, same, same deal with a lot of other things. Uh, Europa has a whole lot of planetary fear, uh, and, and stuff attached to, to Jupiter and Ganymede orbits the same planet. doesn't really have a lot of that. Um, they just kind of flip off Jupiter when they see it, or they think that's kind of cool. And then that's it. <laughs> but that's, from a from a standpoint of like fetishism or or what would be considered more taboo than last, probably the one that's most common would be morphism mixed, mm-hmm. um, because that is bordering on I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase it. Uh, I, I would think xenophilia in general is probably one of the more popular uh, fetishisms that that particular society would have, just because they're surrounded by so many things that aren't them. Yeah, the novelty so. factor and morphism might be like tenth of a percent of society and that's a, a not right. too uncommon so it's one. rare it's exotic it's different um it's not what they're surrounded with all the time they're probably uh i can see that being among the more popular ones where somebody's just sort of like you know i'll i'll i i would have a a significant other of anything but if i really had my druthers i really want to have this thing uh of which there are very few um 
Uh, so that's that's mostly the exotic thing. But the idea of, of xenophilia in general being a, a prevailing point is just because there's so much around them, especially in things like TTI towns where bioprobes are popular, or even in ASR areas where really intelligent machines are popular. So sleek designs and, and, and large, powerful machines that are able to communicate with you on a pretty much human level. Their, their advanced AIs are more human than the humans are. But even the, the ones that aren't particularly advanced, just the ones that are helpful are, are charming and funny and pleasant. And, and they seem almost sentient, only they're nicer to you than other people are, which is an easy <laughs> thing to kind of fall in love with when you think about it. Yeah, that does make the kind of couch potato lifestyle a little more appealing when your couch could be friendly and endearing. Right. That's it's the, the, the same concept or, you know, the, the personal assistant to the home is, is a rather clever critter um, that that is even just a hologram or something. So you can see how this this degree of like a Star Trek called it. What was it? Uh, holodeck addiction. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Stuff like that. How that would be a, a, a very likely concept. And that goes back into my thing where this sort of stuff has happened in vector culture before and it is currently on the downswing just because it makes it easier to exist in the gameplay environment. It seems it, like something you could easily expect to find in an ASR town though, is that being yeah. that kind yeah, of shut in lifestyle. Or any of them, right? You can um it doesn't doesn't necessarily even need need to be ASR. It could be any of the, the places because they can all make, you know, pretty intelligent AIs that can at least True. pass for polite people. Um but the uh, for the sake of making the game more playable in a social aspect, that that particular thing is on a downturn in current culture because otherwise, like, you know, what are we doing on our adventure? Well, we're all going to go home and talk to our AIs. <laughs> uh, and that's how Eclipse Phase was born. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, the, you heard uh, it here. <laughs> uh, it, it's mostly that, that not, not because I don't think that's likely, it's because I think that's... Um, it's not very compelling from a space adventure standpoint if everybody goes home and talks to the robot for, for the whole time and, and, you know, we don't have a real adventure or something. So for a, a current cultural move, it isn't very popular. So when your species is a tiny minority, would be being interested in your own species be a kind of xenophilia? I mean, that is, is that would that be a fetish if you actually find your own species attractive? Or what's the what's the phrase of people being obsessed with themselves? Maybe you could call this like monophilia. I think like the old Greek or whatever term for narcissism. Nar- narciss- narcissism is it narcissistic to want to date another fox if you're a fox? I, is, is that kind of weirdly fixating? I think you could probably argue that having like a sexual exclusivity with your own species would be a kind of fetish in this world. Yeah. No, 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 no. It, it, it could be in a different world that could be, Oh, Oh, you want to have a family, but in this world, no, no, no. Oh, you're dating a snake. Oh, that, that should be interesting. <laughs> Looking at it as like Tinder profile stuff. You see someone who says, I'm not going to date anybody, but another lion. Uh-huh. That might be kind of a, a turnoff as to their personality. You'd think, well, this person seems kind of shallow. Because uh, they're a lion. That was for you, love. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's, that's I, I, think, I think that also has a lot to do where on the slider uh, your society is. I mean, kind of between vectorism and speciesism, if everybody is, yeah, we're, we're all vectors, then having that distinction of, but I only date foxes is kind of weird because you're making a subset of vectorisms that right. you're exclusively looking for. Oh, here's a creepy one. What if someone really had a big throbbing Jones for the followed morphism? Okay. That would be a weird one. Yeah. I mean, you have to do everything in the light so you can see the shadows. And I I guess, I mean, in a way, like if you like tars or laterals, that's weird because those are very unusual. But but that, that makes me ask the question, is the difference between you and a lateral bigger than that between you and another given species uh, i mean i hate to give a wishy-washy answer but uh, I, that really does come down to where that slider is they are called mutations uh-huh. and if you parallel that out you know common mutation is dwarfism currently sure um, people who exclusively look for and date those of a smaller stature uh-huh. um, are seen as a little bit outside the norm. Uh-huh. If you hear that prejudice against mutation forward, then you might have some of that. But the book 
really doesn't seem to imply that that exists. It's those with morphisms, whether it's a kickback to a lateral or whether it's things that don't belong, uh-huh. are kind of understood to just be glitches in the matrix, as it were. And they're just vectors like everybody else. Yeah. So I don't think it would be that much of a taboo. I'm kind of kicking myself for not asking about the line where it says that hyenas think that their laterals are really cute. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, why is there that one call out for hyenas and no one else? Because hyenas are really cute. Well, they are, but but why hyenas and what exactly what does that mean? Well, so the core extended rule book has a lot more digging into the races and the families than the other books do. So anything uh-huh. that's in the second book just has a lot more tapestry to it than the first book. Okay. That's just a given. And I think that he was adding interesting color and details. Sure. Okay. If you can change your gender, why not be able to change your species? You can. I, you, you can. Oh, you, oh, you can. It's oh, expensive, okay. but you can. Which, which is an argument for why species isn't that big of a deal, because anyone can be anything. Zootopia, sorry. So here's a, another kind of down the fetish lane thing. I uh-huh. mean, one could totally... Sorry, th- thank you for keeping us centered, Corbo. It's okay. I, I think about this sort of thing a lot. <laughs> uh, one can easily imagine someone who was more or less cog exclusive in their in their mindset they really sure. liked that body type maybe they're an asr employee or their mother was and they just kind of got locked into cogs are the very attractive thing and that's a very minor philia sure but if you wanted to find lovers that were much more coggy and so you were obsessed with people with frames that were far out there and uh-huh. angular and sharp or had the weird tentacle thing going on, the six legs, the strange metallic features, as opposed to the more normal seeming cogs. That uh-huh. that could be a very strange little kink. You get a lot of like interesting cuts and razor burns with it. Sure, sure. That happened to my character. You were talking about the mutations, but I mean, for several of the mutations, those are very easily added. Say a second tail or additional limbs or wings. Um, those are fairly minor surgeries that duplicate certain mutations they're already found. Uh-huh. Going deeper in, you can go for the body replacement to go full on lateral or to change sizes. So, <laughs> Yes, I'd like to shrink down to about two ounces. Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Where does your brain go? I've always wondered. Never mind. Next question. And I remember Monty Python, the, the, the secret agent who managed to disguise himself as a fire hydrant. I had to slim down to three pounds. I actually dispensed water. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, cog pornography. Firstly, is it a thing? And secondly, if it is, is objectification a really huge kink for them? I would expect so. Yeah, uh, that would probably be one of the ones. For, so most of the things for, for any degree of, um, and I'm not a, a, a sex guru or anything like that, so I'm, I'm going based <laughs> off my own assumptions and limited research in the issue. Um, most of the things for things like fetishism usually comes from stuff that you're either not allowed to or culturally taboo to do or, or is intriguing because it's something you're not supposed to be able to get to or have. So for the sake of COGS, um, objectification is probably a pretty big one. For, for them, uh, for actually for Kagsune, they've got a couple too that um, one of the big ones for them was singing because it's a, just a huge waste of oxygen singing. and does nothing. Yeah. So the, because the, the, the concept of singing and dancing just uses tons of air, uses tons of energy, produces oh. nothing valuable. It's just this huge waste. They're, oh, not, God, big on le- they're not big on leisure. <laughs> right. Well, they're not big on leisure and they're not big on, on <laughs> inefficiency. But to the degree of, of like, you know, look of the, doing this hugely energy time wasting process just for the sake of one's personal pleasure becomes this, this giant, like, um, such <laughs> decadence, you know, plot to it. Um, which is why some of the, the field cogsoons, the, um, the ones that you're supposed to play as a player are of particular attractment to some of the more frisky, like, uh, stay at home ones that don't get to go out into the field because their genetics can't handle the gravity enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um, because by comparison, even though these field kaksune are, are, you know, two and a half feet tall and tiny, they're a solid, like two inches bigger in every dimension than the ones that stay at home, which by their standpoint, where they're able to map things visually down to the nanometer, this like, this thing is enormous. Look at how much energy it burns up and, and, and it's larger than life. You know, it's only about an inch and a half difference, but to them, it's a big deal. No, we, we at Radio Free Videmos do not condone kaksune player characters. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
but yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a a thing from them, and I could expect similar things from from Cogs in general of the idea of kind of it's like a BDSM thing, but I think it would have an extra edge for them because it taps into certain cultural no-nos that they're not really supposed to to look at. Where I was wondering is like maybe cog porn is it might exist like purely on thumb drives and be digital and something they can just kind of drift through in their weird little mind uplink structures. I like the idea of having part numbers. Yeah, I like that too. It might just be a dig- digital signal clip that, <laughs> or a book of electronic schematics. <laughs> oh baby, <laughs> or special cog underwear that does say slot B. Get it? No, get I, get it? It. I, I can explain the joke. No, I, I, I draw a diagram. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> let, let me get this cock city to explain it to you. <laughs> no. So how heavy is Pulse's grip on the sex trade? Do they have like S-Mart red light special districts or anything like that? Uh, probably pretty weak, actually. The Mars Co. and Progenitus are far more likely to have a store dedicated to purely sex toys than Pulse's. Um, Pulse is about selling an entire body image. So if you want to commit to a a whole new philosophy wherein the body that you want to design is entirely dedicated to sex, Pulse can help you out with that. But that's one section of their catalog that is consistent of all the other things too. And the person who's selling it to you is dedicated to creating the body that is going to make you the best you you can be, not necessarily getting you a sex toy. Well, not just toys, but like sex, sex, sex workers and, um, well, like the red light district idea. No, uh, not not too much from them, unless that was something that you were looking to do from a personal standpoint. Like you wanted a personality modification that would make you more attuned to something or, or one thing or another. Um, like I could, if you were going to have a, if you go into a, a personal surgery area or whatnot uh, at a Marsco surgeon center or a progenitor surgeon center, they probably have a little back book in the corner that has things like penile and enhancement. And you have to be a certain age to look at it and that sort of thing. And it's got a nondescript cover so that you can go <laughs> off and hide in the corner and, and read it sort of thing. Pulse doesn't. Pulse has one big catalog and it's all in there. <laughs> and, and it's just one more section of it. And the person, the specialist that's going through it with you is going to touch on every one of these sections and, and fine tune it to find the way that it's going to best tap into your psyche. So that's that's kind of the thing with them is they're not really selling novelty. They're setting, selling complete image. Hmm. And that can be part of it, but it's not the only thing they're really looking to give you. You know, that might be what draws you in or something, but they're going to they're going to try to touch all the other things. You know, so why do you want this? Oh, you just you, you want you, you don't just want a bigger penis. You want to feel more powerful. Right. So what if we look at these two? What can we do to your legs? What can we do <laughs> up here? You know, what can we And they it's it's the upsell, but it's also part of their whole culture from the from the Marsco standpoint or or just one of the other shops that that have that as, you know, this thing that you want to purchase just for this one function. Then it's you know, a little black book in the corner kind of. I actually really like that answer. I also really like Pulse. I've said that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the idea that sex is maybe not, well, physical pleasure in general may not be their primary industry because they're trying to make you the ideal you and sell you the best possible you you can be is, is neat. And it's a legitimate reinterpretation of the question. What corporation would be most interested in that? I mean, really, Pulse sounds incredibly plausibly i mean okay i mean of course it's, it's a it's a minor part of it but it's a part of it if, if pulse is, to, to me if pulse is all about bodies and enhancements and and that why wouldn't i'd say asr that's that's my my gamble okay. because asr can have guilt-free hologram pleasure zones and all the androids you could possibly want with like no conscious effort i think if you're going to set up like the Blade Runner-esque, grimy, city, grungy with like people on the s- sidewalks and things like that. Uh-huh. That's a Marsco thing, tonally, because Marsco doesn't really care so much about what happens at its peripheries, necessarily. Uh-huh. It just kind of lets things go. More so than other corporations? Well, if you, you could say that as a story element. It may or may not be true, but you could say that Marsco, maybe it, it, it doesn't maintain as well, or... It has more, much more sprawling territory that doesn't maintain strong control over because it's too spread thin uh-huh. in a more dystopian view of Marsco. So I'd say either ASR because it can do this wide panoply of high-tech sexual imagery and and tools and, and hollow suites or Marsco because they do they can do grunge really well. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go back at Marsco, not necessarily from the grunge factor, but very much from like the 
compartmentalization factor. I think that if anyone would spin off a certain subset of the corporation that just kind of handles that thing, Marsco is a perfect candidate. I do very much understand where Pierce is coming from with the Pulse being more of a whole body experience that they might not lean as much towards that. But I think that there would also be a couple of other options for some of the corporations. Spyglass kind of goes without saying and that that's all individual. If if someone wants to do that spyglass down, boom, they're doing it. No one's going to try and manipulate that or tell them not to. Would Spyglass be good matchmakers? They'd certainly know a lot of details about you. They know who would be compatible with you. Are we falling into the trap of believing that there's only the Big Seven here? Because Not necessarily. Well, I, I think we're looking at Big Seven just kind of overall themes. Okay. Right. The last one that I did want to get to, though, is Progenitus. Progenitus wouldn't necessarily have the pure pleasure um, value, but from a health and welfare type perspective, they probably would have a lot more of the more corp-sponsored sex workers to ensure that everyone kind of understands what it is, how it works, and is introduced properly to be good at it. I kind of wanted to talk about that as a, as a point, but I think it's also tied to the, the canon statement that vectors are really shite at mental health issues. So I'm not sure if they have that level of emotional support built into culture. Not to deflate your idea too much, but, but that is an op- that has been kind of stated. I would not necessarily call that mental health. Um, I think that from just a personal health and a welfare type perspective, I think that falls very much in the physicality. Well, no, 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 here, here's the thing I'll also throw in. Sex ed classes. You know, you, th- there might be a whole bunch of, you know, one course ain't going to cover it. One course <laughs> can cover the basics, but there's a whole bunch of other things you can go into. And it's like, okay, you know, we've got the basics, you know, we've even touched on TARS and stuff. They haven't even addressed snakes. They haven't even addressed <laughs> birds. Um, even some of the basics. Imagine how complex that might be. And it might be, you know, well, I don't know. Would, should everyone be required to learn all this stuff? Or it's like, oh, my God, I'm dating one of these now. How does that work? What do I do with that? I don't even know. What do they, What should I even expect? Quick, quick, bring out the Encyclopedia Sextanica <laughs> or whatever. Traditionally, dates are awkward and confusing and horrifying. So I'm going with your little ladder idea there. Yeah, I mean, p- paying, you know, going to uh, to uh, <laughs> Progenitus or something like it to say, you know, could you show me? I just, I'd like to have any clue what to expect. For credits. Remember, this is this mm. is a highly commercial society. Uh-huh. This is a market need. This, this is an uncomfortable situation that people uh-huh. will find. Someone's going to fill that niche. Yeah, sex counselor, you know, sure. relationship advice for teenagers would be a really great industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I could see this being the subject for like 47 different vector sitcoms. So yes. let's hold on to it as like a source for great cultural awkwardness. <laughs> kind of like the the, the, what, the, the Korean uh, uh, sitcom, m- m- My Girlfriend, the, the, the Nine-Tailed Gumio. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like that. <laughs> will they fall in love or will she eat his liver? <laughs> So one question that I didn't uh, throw to Sev, which was asked a few times on the Discord channel by a few different people over the course of a few months, uh-huh. uh, is, are there herms in HSD? And I know what his answer is. His answer is gender doesn't really have game effects. I think because he just didn't want to deal with the question. And I don't super blame him on that. Sure. So the question is, like, what is a herm? And as far as I know, on F.A., it's some creature with ridiculously overblown sexual secondary characteristics from both genders that Uh can totally boink anyone it wants to. Sure. Um, So it's more of a sex fantasy than a legit organism. That's probably like painting with a very broad brush. General surgery, 100 credits. Yeah, it's just just having two sets of genders that work really well, which is not remotely the same as a biological hermaphrodite. I lived with one of those, and he was just kind of mopey. Well, in a game where social factors are big, has it been stated that gender just doesn't matter, that there is no difference between men and women mentally in this game or, or in terms of it's, it societal factors? It doesn't have a game effect. And that's I think that goes that that line goes back as far as role playing games go. Well, up to 
the f- second D and D player's handbook. Okay. I put very simply: is the is this the bold new future where there is no difference between men and, men and women? And if it is, I'll accept that. Is that stated anywhere? I would not think that's stated anywhere. I would rather say that that's completely on the nurture side of the house, because having a sex change or having a surgery where your sex is sex is fluid from one moment to the next uh-huh. is capable it is technologically possible and almost trivial so if you did not feel comfortable from an early age and wanted to transition then can get an appointment for next week Wait, ask and then for that nurture can then come in and kind of uh, let your personality develop that way let your self-identity develop that way i i think it from a from a medical standpoint, from a technological standpoint, what your identity, what a vector's identity is, becomes that gender question because they can build the body to be whatever you need. Uh-huh. I, I hate this particular answer, but I'm going to give it anyway. Is that <clears throat> this is ultimately a role playing game, and I know that sounds kind of facetious, but it is an escapist fantasy. Um, I remember, I think, to the ranting Griffin was talking about a question someone asked him that he like started ranting on because that's his shtick, but then kind of stopped and rewound and said, well, maybe that's kind of thoughtful, which is why isn't there more art of condoms? Wouldn't that be a good message to send? It's well, yes, that has validity as an idea, but this is escapist fantasy in, in art. I feel like if you start saying that a gender is better at something than the other gender that you're by default saying or de facto saying that it's poorer at it and people want to play their dynamic action heroes of both genders they want to play their soft sensitive characters of both genders so i think just the fundamental rules of a role-playing game universe say this is not a path that we really want to go too far down unless you're talking about like extreme sexual dimorphism well but but, but certain whole concepts like yeah i want to play a female cop character and i want it to make a difference that i'm playing a female cop or i want to play if it doesn't matter then a lot of things that make sense to us don't make sense anymore we just have to eliminate okay all of these possibilities for for drama and conflict are eliminated and in terms of overall happiness okay maybe that's better but but you're not playing a video game to to keep your your characters happy this they're not tamagotchis you 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 want you want the kind of drama that you want in them you can play a character that you've built slightly down on scale. I mean, you don't emphasize physical stats as much and then negotiate with the game master that you want to have this be part of your drama. And I'm sorry. I feel like that's the right answer though, is that it's a story that you have to choose to tell, but not one that the rules are going to back up one way or the other. Spin that a slightly different way. Uh There, there are a fair number of Canon rule sets, games or stories, whatever, that have some fairly arbitrary distinctions. Uh-huh. So if we have one that's a fairly arbitrary distinction, the color of your eyes dictates the cast of the person. People with blue eyes are automatically the royalty. People uh-huh. with brown eyes are the commoners. Sure. Um, that becomes a distinction that you... <clears throat> that becomes a distinction that you can then create tension within the story by having a maybe a blue eye that is not royalty or that is walking around in a different cast. Uh But that's a completely artificial tension because it's set in the story itself. If we take that to HSD and we, and gender becomes an artificial constraint, you're you're basically choosing what you want and then going with it because that's the idea that you have, Uh then there is no gender tension. And no one is going to say, well, you're a female, you can't be a cop because within the canon, Gender doesn't it isn't a very big sticking point. There's no tension between the two. There's definitely other tension within canon that I think the story prefers to stick to. I, I think it's I think it's going to be up to you to tell your game master you want a slightly darker world where right. you want this to be important. Right. Uh, well, otherwise, you just make assumptions that sure. go strange places. Well, and one of the things I'm also thinking of, like Zootopia. The conflict is not that the main character is female. It took me a minute to figure that out. The conflict is that she's she's a an herbivore, not a predator. That story, that personal character arc can't exist without that imbalance being there. Yeah. So in, in a universe where, no, it doesn't make a difference, well, okay, you have to find a different story to tell. Yeah. Which doesn't mean there's no options. It just it eliminates some options. Like, uh, like transgender characters. 
that would mean nothing in this universe. And, and you know, th- 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 that's that, that's plausible. Um, and that's not, you know, role-playing games don't have to exist just so you can play transgender characters. But <laughs> in a world where you, just get, you can get injections and stuff like that, telling that drama, that just won't exist. And that, that's an example of when you take out conflicts... You should, there has to be something to replace them, but we don't know what that would be. Right, right. And... And I'm not sure that's on the world necessarily. A lot of the conflict is driven by corporate tribalism. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, I do, I do, I kind of feel you. The The world has always been a little bit too clean for me. Right, right. I, I mean, if you want a character that, you know, is just against reality, everyone does it one way and I'm the other way. Um. Well, I mean, w- what is there? I mean, you could play a lateral trying to make it in the world. That's putting yourself against everyone's expectations, Right. What else? You play a blip. Blips are all weird. Everyone thinks they're weird. Okay, so I, I guess that's the thing is the blip is the this is the one. It's totally undefined. It could be anything, but it's the thing against everything. It's against against everyone's expectations. Bears right? and squirrels. They both have some of the uh, kind of drifter loner can't find a place in society problem going on. Okay. Okay. But those are pretty corner case. Laterals or vectors. They're just as much a vector as any of the two legs walking around. And that's really reflected both in, say, the lizard or the snake, where many, if not most of them, are laterals. Oh, yeah. um, or within the canine side of, oh, you're a dog? Well, you're a dog. You're you're funny. You're a different shaped one, but you're a dog. We'll sure, put you sure. to use. Lateral making it in the world probably would not have a ton of dramatic tension Uh so i think you might need to reach a little bit farther for that there are some uh the xenomorphs would definitely provide the outsider tension um kogsune would definitely provide the outsider tension please don't play the kogsune (laughs) they're adorable tension that is the tension though true true you're right um cogs have a certain standard of appearance and personality that they kind of are supposed to adhere to. Uh So playing the broken toy or playing the cog that is not playing to type, playing to trope Uh would generate a lot of that tension just because that's already in system of having that tension. Uh, For the vectors, vectors are really accommodating and really accepting. So I think you really have to reach a lot further to find some of that internal tension within okay. HSD, of okay. course. And contradicting myself, like a lot of modern media, like will set itself back in the wild west and like eliminate the racism, just get, get rid of it totally. And I'm totally okay with that. I totally support the notion of a revised wild west where it wasn't a factor. I think that's kind of cool. And so maybe it's inconsistent of me to be a little bit sad about gender not really meaning anything because gender is kind of fascinating in our world, but but it's the future and they, they find new things to be uh, obsessed about. I'd like to circle back to this. It sounds like a really good conversation that we sure. could have again. Maybe we could have an episode on outsiders. Uh-huh. I was really hoping this would be more about Sex. What? Yeah, sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So, but I want to I want to put a pin in this and come back to it because I think it's going to be fun for an argument down the road. Sorry. Outsiders and you. Okay, back to dicks. All right. So, uh, how about that longbow? <laughs> yeah. Longbow, the most j- dangerous brothel in the known universe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is... <laughs> Spoiler. That it, there, there is internal tension there. There is dramatic tension there. Those are outsiders. Yes, they will rape you, kill you, and eat you. <laughs> and the White Queen's getting her own chapter in the uh, upcoming uh, fiction book. Cool. Yeah, could, could have some scenes illustrated by Blotch. She looks pretty neat. That introduces grottos as kind of social experiments as well, though. So uh-huh. you could have a grotto that where the... Uh, you, you could have the hyena space station where uh-huh. where you have a much larger male to female attention. Sure. And, and that makes a lot more sense. The Empyrean is setting themselves up as gods with deliberate references to the Dodecatheon, the 12 pantheon of Greece. And if there's not like divine sex brothel situations, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, and then the pulse executives that come back as ravening. Never mind. Never mind. This is its own kink. Next question. Yes. So one last question, and this one is from me. Are Pulse's competitive orgies televised? 
<laughs> I think everybody's hard to agree. <laughs> um, one of the things that's been discussed a few times is uh, uh, the, this, this current concept of personal, um, what's not projection, what am I thinking of here? It's like streaming. It's like just the idea of making celebrities out of yourself. Oh, yeah, um, like there's, there's life blogging. There's a and... big, yeah. There's a there's a big um, uh, market for that in all the different corps and in a lot of places it's an easy way to make credits um, without having to necessarily work for it. You can just find a way to make your life more interesting, kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of enabling of that by the corps because it one it allows them to keep exchanging money, which keeps getting them money, but two it also allows them to collect free information, right? Which is also very powerful from their respect. So your home could be filled with inputs cameras things like that um uh, at the end of course then it talks about this a little bit where like your toilet paper dispenser will tell you that you're out of toilet paper <laughs> uh and and that might creep us out a little bit but they all consider that to be pretty handy because hey i'm out of toilet paper <laughs> the it's the same concept is there of like anything else that you want to do so depending on what settings you've done it's entirely possible that your bed will ask you if you want to stream this act and then charge for it <laughs> And it's not necessarily a pulse thing. <laughs> it's it's like a, a any given bed thing could have that feature attached. Well, the, the pulse element um, was the competitive orgies, but I see where you're oh, coming yeah, from. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think that's probably. You know, it's not a thing that I really expect to be on broadcast. Um, but broadcast is not broad anymore anyway. I think um, and in general, HSD follows the 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 kind current trend of personal cast, huh. wherein you're only being told the things that they have decided you should see. Interesting, uh, or or that you have indicated. Um, I mean, it's there. There still is some broadcasting stuff that you can see everywhere, but it's fed into your kind of newsfeed sort of thing. I'm definitely going to. So you can. I'm definitely going to circle back to that to, when we do the Pulse episode down the road. You can subscribe to whatever it is that you're trying to look for for a personal thing, but I, I think that whole industry would actually transform quite a bit. And I think I think um, you said that Marsco really has the handle on on broadcasting generally. In, in in general, yeah. And, and I, I don't say broadcast doesn't exist like there isn't a, a broadcast system. It's just sort of a different method, right? You don't just turn on the television and things appear to it. Everything is kind of tuned to try to grab you better. Mm. That's just been proven over and over again through marketing that the, the more you can get to somebody's personal taste, the more you can sell to them. So um, rather than just having a random commercial that nobody cares about kind of thing. So it's the same concept here. If they can, if they can find out what you want through the various inputs that they've got, then they can hook you that way. Uh, and keep feeding you product that is of particular interest to you, be it media product, physical product, whatever. Um, so in the case even of, of like uh, uh, adult entertainment and stuff, they would still be mapping and trying to figure out what it is you do and don't like and how to better hook you on that kind of thing. In, in my world, there is going to be competitive weightless orgies in the Ceres area, and they're going to be awesome, and Venus is going to have its own fantastic team, and the otters are going to love it, both as participants and as audience members, possibly both. Okay. This is, this is my view of the bright future. Well, well no, here's a question I'll throw out, <laughs> is that clothing, clothing seems to be pretty much a universal, is close to a universal, right? Yep. And... I know part of that is just, just to prove that you're civilized. Although, again, I, I, I kind of question that because relative to what? Well, I, I have an answer to this one. Sure, and It's away. related to some of my minor fixations. Go for it. But if you scroll all the way back to the beginning of Vector period, there was a time about possibly 30 years, maybe 40 years, where the new vectors were coexisting with the protovector race, the semi-mindless, vaguely uplifted pet race. Like K-10s. K-10s, yeah. Um, and they were humanoid. They, they were good for, like, you know, helping grandma get out of bed and, like, doing uh -huh. all the things that a seeing eye dog or a service animal can do. But they were mindless. And I think that during that initial period, the humans and the vectors both would be very keen on differentiating and setting themselves as, as probably more human than the humans are uh -huh. just to, to preserve this kind of the sanity of the species for that, for that, that <coughs> window. Uh -huh. And I think it would run like probably 30 years. Yeah. And that, that's one, that's one example. Okay. But I think it's a solid kind of grounding for some of that. Okay. Also fashion is an economic powerhouse. Ooh. There's no way that revenue stream would not be realized. Oh, okay. Even more okay. valid point. Well, well so, so, so that's my, my whole question. Is clothing, is part of it the puritanical part that we're, we're used to? Or is it just that you're, everyone's going to wear some decoration? Does it matter if you cover your stuff? Is that the big deal? I think it even had a little blurb in the lateral description that uh -huh. laterals 
have no real need to wear clothes. They generally do to fit in, though. So yeah. just don't look down there. But stuff is covered. I mean, uh -huh. I think that's that's canon is that stuff gets covered and it's, it's even a, for laterals to whatever degree it's feasible. I think if you're asking if there's a puritanical sense of modesty, then uh -huh. the answer is a hard no. Uh, but uh, there, there is modesty. There is the, the, people are covered. Pants are worn uh -huh. for the most part. Except Pulse. No. Well, okay. So <laughs> Pulse, Pulse has nudity, but it's it's titillating and raises ratings. But t nudity being titillating, nudity can only be titillating if it is Not out the norm. of the norm. Yeah. It, 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 if it doesn't make a difference, then the fact that you're nude is not titillating. It, it makes it, it, it's all like, the difference. <sighs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes. Nude, nudity is not publicly a thing in HSD, and it's a cultural norm to wear clothing. Okay. But, which is how it differentiates itself from for affinity. <laughs> hey, drawing clothing is hard, dude. <laughs> okay. Well, happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. We leave it up to you to experiment on whether or not vectors wear clothing. And to all of you, catch the outro line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Tronicles, both by Serious Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.